my name's Dominic. And I'm Parker. And welcome, everyone, to Craft Brews and Tons of Cartoons. Just a couple dudes sipping brews, talking tunes. And this week, we are going to do a WWE special by looking at the Hanna-Barbera and WWE crossovers. So grab a beer and let's do the SmackDown. So I know we've been doing kind of our sports month and, the, you know, the part of that is a celebration of the greatest sports entertainment event of the year, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. How's that? Uh, how's that looking to shape up this year? You know, it seems like every year that WWE doesn't really seem to care about putting on consistent stories. So, so far, it's like they're spinning their wheels. But that's not to say that it won't be a good show, though, because usually it surprises you later, for sure, especially hmm. when you watch it. But WrestleMania this about... year is going to be interesting. But let's talk about some other things that are very wrestling related. We're going to do the Hanna-Barbera WWE crossovers, not including the Scooby-Doo ones that we did last year around this time. We are talking about the Flintstones and Jetsons crossovers yeah that's gonna be the flintstones and wwe stone age smackdown and the jetsons and wwe robo wrestlemania nice god that's fun yes (laughs) but we got some beers for this podcast so on my end revolution brewing in chicago they have the anti-hero india pale ale it is 6.7 alcohol by volume And the reason I chose this was because a lot of WWE wrestlers or heels are anti-heroes, and I thought that would be a perfect fit. On my end, I'm also going very much the wrestling route. I got American Solera's Power Triple IPA, Triple India Pale Ale with Citra and Mosaic Hops. That doesn't make it stand out much. That's pretty normal. But it's sitting at a nice 10% alcohol by volume, and it's a whole pint. And it has a dude ripping a phone book in half as the art. So I'm expecting something that's going to knock me on my ass tonight. Hell yeah. And while we crack these babies open, let's hear from our good sponsors. Okay, Dominic, how does it look and smell on your end? So on my end, there's a very amber color. It's very clear on the inside. A little bit of astringency. It had a really good amount of head to it. In terms of sniffing notes, very hop forward. La Citra hops, I'm guessing. And, you know, I've had a good IPA now and then. And Chicago comes up with good beer. And I'm ready for it. What about you, brother? I am super hazy on my end. Definitely more on the golden side, but definitely very, very, very hazy on in terms of the appearance. All right. Scent-wise, I'm definitely getting the citra and the mosaic on here. It's very much like those kinds of hops. I'm expecting this to be very floral, very, very kind of like in the neighborhood of grapefruit, but not super grapefruity in terms of that side. So definitely kind of that kind of IPA. All righty. Let's clink it. Dink and sink it. Okay, okay. So, mine is good IPA. Very standard hot forward. A little bit of citrus in there. The aftertaste is very hop forward. So, when you drink the beer, it's pretty powerful. Pretty potent. And I think it's a decent IPA, especially if you are a fan of very hop-forward beers. That's basically all I have to say about it. Solid IPA. Mine's a lot less hop-forward than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah, it's not especially hoppy. It is like kind of more of the citrus side, more of the yeah citrusy, fruity type side. So I got to kind of watch myself because that'll make me kind of drink it a lot faster than I probably should. Probably a good thing. <laughs> but Got a good thick mouthfeel, though. 
very good texture going down. So yeah, no real complaints on my side. Just was expecting something a little more flavorful. I feel that. After being with it a little more, it's very floral, very flavorful in that department. And, you know, I wouldn't say it's bad. I think it's a pretty solid IPA, like I said before. But definitely getting more floralness as I continue to have the taste in my mouth. But you know what isn't floral? Professional wrestling. And we are going to be talking about the weird... Hanna-Barbera WWE crossovers. So last year around this time, we did Scooby-Doo and WWE, which, you know, hindsight, those were actually pretty fun. And seeing the Scooby gang interact with guys like The Undertaker and John Cena and The Miz was a lot of fun. And this especially with the Flintstones, was the first iteration of WWE and Hanna-Barbera's interesting crossover. But today we're mainly going to be talking about the Stone Age Smackdown, which is the Flintstones version, and Robo WrestleMania, which is the Jetsons version. And as we talk about these films, since I have a pretty good photographic memory of around the time where these films came out, I'll be able to kind of connect the WWE characters and storylines around the time that they were releasing these films. Okay, good. Cause I'm like, I think I'm definitely missing some stuff. There's some stuff, especially in the Jetsons one that thing kind of trips me up. Right. But I think we're going to go ahead and start things off with stone age Smackdown, the Flintstones in WWE. This came out in 2015 direct to DVD It is the second co-production between Warner Brothers Animation and WWE Studios following Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. It was released on March 10th, 2015 by Warner Home Video. It is the first Flintstones production in over 14 years since Flintstones on the Rocks and 55 years after the original 1960 series. It is also the first Flintstones film without the involvement of William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, as they were both deceased at the time. There were also a few other people in the cast that passed away, in the original Flintstones cast that passed away, that do not appear in this film, including John Stevenson, who originally played Mr. Slate. It was also Rusi Tyler's last movie before her death in 2019. The film itself, though, was directed by Spike Brandt and Tony Cervone, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, produced by them as well. It was written by Jed Elinoff and Scott Thomas. You ready to jump right in? Yeah, let's get into the stone circle. (laughs) That came out better in my head, honestly. Yeah, you you did your best. But in the town of Bedrock, Fred Flintstone has promised his wife, Wilma... A vacation at Rockapulco. He wants to request an advance on his pay check from his boss, Mr. Slate, but he causes an accident at the quarry. The two are saved by the new employee, John Cenastone, but damages incite Slate to deny Fred the advance he needs. As he, his family, and the Rubbles attend a charity fair organized by the Lodge of the Water Buffaloes, Fred mulls over how to tell his wife they can't go on the vacation. But meanwhile, Fred and Barney enlist Hoppy, Barney's hopperoo pet, to challenge people in boxing matches to raise money for charity. You know, animal abuse for charity. So, like, you know it is. <laughs> before I mean this we... is a world this is a world literally built on um all the dinosaurs and all those jokes, so you know. Right. And these first, I think five ten minutes we are reintroduced to the flintstones it's actually very good (laughs) i'd never really watched flintstones cartoons when i was a kid probably you are very much similar to me in that aspect but you know it's it's a it's very much like the original animated sitcom almost like verbatim like this was literally built around like the spine that is the honeymooners I Dream of Genie to a certain extent. The Dick Van Dyke show, like these are all very similar to that kind of very early era of sitcoms. 
And honestly, it kind of works in this in this favor. And you see this with the whole movie too. But in this, you definitely get like the start of it. You get kind of like the, here's the inciting incident. Here's like Fred beginning to go onto his scheme. He's got like the problem he needs to solve. And so he's going to think of this sitcom shenanigan that'll help get him out of it. I mean, I will say it feels very much a product of its time. Like this feels very classic Flintstones, but also very unaged Flintstones. Yeah, I will say like some of the comedy is very like that time. And then they spruce up a little bit of the comedy of like modern cartoons. I remember when he was trying, which we'll talk about a little bit, but when he was trying to recruit John Cena Stone into his plan, he was that's probably not good for the quarry. I don't know how long we'll be here. It's like, yeah, you never know how long you'll be at the quarry. <laughs> and then oh, I think we'll talk. Music. I think we'll talk about. I think we'll talk about that here a little bit later. So, I will say they're like right off the bat though. Looks good. Like they look like the Flintstones, but they're animated very well. It's like definitely a very solid update when it comes to these characters. Which you gotta give credit to the animation team, and it it is surprising, especially when you hear that stat of it's been fourteen years since they had a previous Flintstones property and mm. they were like, huh? WWE brought the Flintstones back? <laughs> it's just, you know, whoa. I mean, if you think that's bad, wait till we get to the Jetsons. Oh, God. But yeah, so we get back to the plot. Hoppy, you know, the, the Hopperoo, despite, you know, being put into a position that would technically be considered animal abuse, he has a very solid winning streak, and uh, his winning streak attracts the attention of local ruffians CM Punk Rock and Marble Henry. Punk Rock verbally humiliates the Hopperoo, causing Barney to attack and defeat the cult of personality. As Punk Rock and Henry leave, Fred sees how enthusiastic the audience was for this sports entertainment, especially with their wallets. And so Fred devises a plan to earn more money for the vacation. He proceeds to organize an event at an abandoned circus. And right off the bat, we get to see Bree and Nikki Boulder, got CM Punk Rock, got Marble Henry, Vince McMagma. Very great names, but the show stealer of this entire special is CM Punk Rock, as and yeah. played expertly by CM Punk. He was he was having such a fun time. Out of all the wrestlers in the actual production, he was just the best. Like, perfect. yeah, I mean, he is just having an absolute blast. Duke going like full heel with this case. I'm guessing at the time he was a heel. So, doing a little research, they were doing production around 2013, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to think because, you know, it came out in 2015, but they did production around 2013, around SummerSlam, and that was around the time where he became a babyface again, and he faced Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, which was a great match. Before then, a little bit, for like half a year, he was a huge heel, and when it comes to animation and like his acting ability, he's just a really great promo and a really great heel when he needs to be a heel. Like he's obviously a great baby face, but as a heel, he's like one of the best ever to do it. I mean, in a promo against the rock, he said his arms were too short to box with God. And he referenced himself as God. You know, he, he was, he's perfect as a bad guy. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So, I mean, we call like his nickname is the cult of personality for a reason. Yes. Um, and that's why, you know, from here, gotta say, was not expecting Barney to go absolutely ape shit both times in this movie. Can we talk about Kevin Michael Richardson as Barney for a second? I mean, I, because... thought, I thought he was solid. Like I, I had no clue it was him, but he's like, I could not, that's not bad. As someone who's watched a lot of Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles commercials, I just was not ready you for the high-pitched Barney rather than the low-pitched, uh, uh, hey, Fred, <laughs> you know? I mean, I have not watched enough Flintstones to, to know the difference. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that good... was my only I mean, I thought it in worked. terms of like, voice I thought acting, it was... but... 
I mean, I thought his performance was good. I'm sure it, like, definitely threw a bo- The change definitely, like, threw people off if they were, like, paying a lot of attention to it. Right. It threw me off a bit. I mean, he did a good job, but seeing Barney but, you know, being least, the at- one to step up to the wrestlers was very interesting. Especially, you know, good... I mean, thank God he did, because, you know, he was able to cut off CM Punk Rock before he talked about his straight-edge lifestyle. <laughs> Which was a funny bit to like put in, like that was that like didn't need to be put in there, but it was. Which is very all happy. about his. Uh, that's all his character was until like 2013. So, yeah, man. But then we move on. So after they start getting this abandoned circus ready and to do an event there, Fred proceeds to recruit more and more wrestlers, including John Cena Stone. Ray Mysteriopal and The Undertaker, the only name that wasn't different, mm-hmm. as attractions to the event along with Barney. The initial match between Cena Stone and Mysteriopal ends up flopping due to the combatants' friendly relationship, and Fred attempts to win the crowd back with a match between Battling Barney Rubble and The Undertaker that eventually escalates to a cage match. The audience is enthusiastic, and Fred makes the money for the vacation fund. But Wilma and Betty are incised. They're mad. They are upset that they put themselves in that situation. Wilma, because Fred was up to one of his harebrained schemes. And Betty, because Barney said he would stop his fighting. So... The wrestling aspect and the animation aspect to this special is not like the Scooby-Doo ones where there was Mm-mm. definitely way more choreography and way more, like, close to actual wrestling. This was more yeah. like flexing muscles and, like, silly, cartoony, very spine like super, super old-school cartoony style. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like kind of almost like that slapstick style. That you see, they right. definitely bank in on that. Which I mean, considering it's Flintstones, which is very much in the realm of that classic cartoon style, it definitely fits. For it's sure, a little little unfortunate, but definitely not out of place. Yeah, and you know we see Rey Mysterio in there, which around this time Rey Mysterio was about to leave the company, so. And he wasn't even used that much either. So seeing how few lines he got in the beginning was very uh, interesting. Also, the random Daniel Bryan. Yeah, that was weird. Which is sad because he would have been really great for more than just that one line. It's just a weird joke, too, because like the yes, no, that like whole rabbit season, duck season trade-off that's like more of a looney tunes thing that does it's like a really weird fit for this movie well around the time he had a thing called a yes chant or a no chant and he was all about the no no right. no so they used that into it but it was definitely more looney tunes than hanna-barbera so it was very odd in that aspect yeah. but it, it was also weird seeing them use clams as cell phones or like you know. Especially since, since clams are also money for some reason. Right, right. The Undertaker was great, and the seeing how he switched it to a cage match and then seeing all the people just like, wow, this is even great. It's just like, it's a perfect way of how people kind of see professional wrestling. Yeah, it kind of, it's definitely a good introduction as to why people got into it to begin with. Especially with the whole flopping between John Cena Stone and Rey Mysteriopal, because they fight as friends, they're like, no, beat the crap out of each other. And as someone who's gone to a few wrestling events here and there, you know, if it's not hitting right, they will turn on you real quick, the audience. Mm -hmm. So they got that aspect pretty right. So, yeah, let's move on to the next part of the story, our big climax. The success of the event causes Flintstone to catch clam fever and aspire to a second, bigger, televised event. He rents Bedrock Stadium and promotes a rematch between Barney and Punk Rock as the main draw. 
Punk Rock accepts enlisting Henry and the Boulder Twins as part of his stable. However, Barney refuses to participate, and the other wrestlers leave due to Fred's increasing pressure on on them and his neglect on his best friend. Fred decides to face Punk Rock and his stable alone, and is utterly steamrolled. Barney, the Rebels, and the Flintstones return to save Fred, inspiring the other wrestlers to return and defeat the heel stable. The heel stable gets defeated. Fred decides to quit wrestling promotion and sell his idea to local fishmonger Mr. McMagma. The two families and the wrestlers proceed to enjoy their vacation on lovely Rocapoco. The joke is that it's supposed to be Alcapoco. No. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al- Al- yeah, Alcapoco? Yeah, Alcapoco. You're right. Alcapoco. Po- yeah. That's the joke. That's yes. the joke. It's the it's because it's the Flintstones, and you can't. It, everything has to be a rock pun. Yes, everything. Everything. But in terms of the the final climax of the film, what'd you think? Kind of saw it coming. Yeah. You know, it's got like the it's you know all about the money versus your friends thing. It's a definitely less in the way of wrestling climax than you're expecting. Right. Definitely a good use of Bam Bam there at the end with uh, throwing around Marble Henry for mm-hmm. fun. I mean, that said, like, it, it, this, is, on a whole, I would say that, like, this is a fun, longer version of a Flintstones episode, basically. Yeah. In fact, I think it might have been a little bit better. It, I think it could have been a little bit better if it were only a half hour or so. Because in my mind, this feels very padded out in a lot of ways. It's definitely a very. It definitely has its dragged out moments for sure, um, but for what we got, I was actually kind of impressed. And th- this was the second time I watched it. I remember watching it the first time, but not really having an opinion per se. But this time around, I definitely appreciated more of the aspect for the Flintstones in general. I thought they did a really great job as an homage to the Flintstones, and I think any Flintstone fan would be happy with what they received, um, especially with the comedy. Even though it's like, you know, they definitely had that old kind of humor in there, but as well as Mm -hmm. mixing in decent amounts of modern comedy as well. Not to say that it was out of the park funny, but... I will say, though, that no one expects to be at the quarry forever. And then Thousand Yard Stare. It was like, this is, seems like a very out-of-place joke. Especially for the Flintstones. But it isn't. But it isn't. It really works. For, like, this, for like that joke really works in that sequence. It definitely works for the quarry. I think it, like, like can just, with regards to the, like, because, you know, Flintstones, their whole thing is that it's kind of a parody of modern life, especially like modern but contemporary materialistic life in the 1960s and, you know, being able to make a joke about it and and like doing that kind of humor about it. And I think that that moment, it's like, okay, so they're actually kind of bringing in a little bit more modern parody into this. It's like, you know what? I appreciate it. It's fun. I think we can both agree that the WWE stuff, though, is very underutilized. Oh, for sure. And that's saying a lot because we're also comparing it to the Scooby-Doo WWE stuff, which surprisingly worked perfectly and incorporated great forms of the wrestling aspect to it, where this one was way more cartoony. However, between the four films, between the Scooby-Doo ones and between this one and the Justin's one that we will talk about... Probably my favorite wrestler performance is CM Punk as CM Punk Rock. He totally plays it up, and the animation lends itself really well to his character interactions, to his heelness, to his jerkness perfectly. I like his character design. I like everything about mm-hmm. him, and he just fits perfectly in an animation sense. You know, honestly, I feel like he should do more gig work in voiceover because he definitely has the voice of just like that snarling jerk. I think he would be perfect for it. Likewise. Yeah, he definitely, he's definitely like a standout when it comes to, as opposed to the Scooby-Doo ones, they're playing more of like a parody cartoony version. And he's the only one that really gets to stand out. Yeah, Marble Henry just doesn't do it. 
I, th- I thought you know, I thought he was okay. I thought his like him having to be the straight man to the absolute madness that is CM Punk Rock. Like I think he's fine. I think he was, he's like actually a better like ground floor for lack of a better word compared to you know John Cena who we've seen is can be a very solid actor. He just when given good oh, stuff to God. You know, play with, but Let's he just not doesn't talk about this because this was before John Cena actually took acting classes and became a good actor. He. John Cena Stone was, was just plain concrete. Like he was very bland. Plain. Yeah, plain. He's very bland. But at the same time, look at what he has to work with, man. True. Nothing. He has well, nothing. To work I would. With. I would say Ray Mysterio had it worse. Yeah, he but, did have it worst because worst. he didn't and, I mean, talk that much, and it was like he said, "Booyaka six one nine And then he was like, "How did you know that I was wearing pants under that?" You know, the, that is weird. The Bella Twins did well. I do. Yeah, fun. I do wish that Daniel Bryan had more of a role because I think he would have done a I lot think, better. I think everyone wishes Daniel Bryan has more of a role. Yeah. In general. <laughs> well, well, yeah. It's all right. Well, anyway, overall thoughts of this first event in this tag team event that we got going on. You know, even though it was fifty minutes long i still enjoyed it it still felt kind of quick to me it was an easy simple story it was nice it had its great moments it had its eh moments but at the same time it like indie wire says it is something that pays homage to original hannah barbera that only makes you yearn for more flintstone cartoons and after watching this, it makes me want to watch more Flintstones. So, you know, even though it's a great promotional tactic by WWE, it also gives the people that actually like the Flintstones more of a chance to, like, ask for more. I can appreciate that. Very much same level that you're at. I think it's a very solid Flintstones, especially a good throwback to, like, old school Flintstones. Like, the WD elements are definitely kind of on the underutilized side, but the performances, the good performances are very good. Right. And before we move on to our main event, let's just take a quick break here. And we're back. Now, Dominic, as we move into this next one, as you mentioned kind of earlier, the last movie wasn't even, like, technically feature length. It was only 50-something minutes long. Compared to this, the Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania, this is a full-length feature movie. Ugh. I mean, it actually clocks in at about an hour twenty-one, I think. Yep, yeah. eighty-two minutes, and it is substantially different. Yeah, and I think that is a detriment to it because yeah. Man, did this feel like such a slog to get through. It <sighs> did. It is... God, this is... all. Thankfully, there are some things about this movie that make it interesting. So, The Jetsons and WWE Robo-WrestleMania was released on February 28th, 2017 in digital HD, and then on March 14th as home video like normal, I guess, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed by Anthony Bell, produced by Brandon Vietti, and written by Jed Elinoff and Scott Thomas. They also did the the preceding film. So the first one, the Flintstones one, that was the, the first new Flintstones production in over 40 years. This is the first major Jetsons production since the Jetsons the movie in 1990. Jesus. 27 years and it is the first uh it's the first without the involvement of H- william hannah and joseph barbera in fact it's been so long since like this property has been worked on ser- like in any considerable way that most of the the preceding most of the cat original jetsons cast had passed away like since the, like since that time yeah, none of the original voice cast returns here, as all of them had died, with the exception of Frank Welker, who I am convinced may be immortal, um, <laughs> who voices Astro, uh, replacing Don Messick, who died in 1997. And that makes sense when you hear Astro's voice in here. Oh, yeah. 
But it's actually a pretty good uh, close uh, impression of it. Yeah. I've got to say. But yeah. this film, and it's feature length, and that's a detriment to it, but it's very interesting to see the Jetsons on the big screen, especially 27 years since the actual film, which was a huge success. And, man. It was not a, it was not a huge success. The, the, the Jetsons film? Yeah, no. Box oh. office bomb. Uh, Major box maybe I bomb. liked it when I was a kid, but maybe I'm that is fair. silly. In uh, fact, did you know that the Jetsons only lasted for a season when it originally came out? And yet it's so like iconic at the same time. It is. Yeah. And like most of the other episodes were originally from the eighties. Wow. So we got to talk about the Jetsons sometimes. However, we need to like, also we got to keep going, What's, but yeah. Um, in the present day, at a WWE event in Denver, The Big Show and Sheamus prepare for their face-off for the WWE Championship at a SmackDown event in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Unfortunately, Mr. McMahon postpones the event due to a snowstorm in the mountains. Impatient to claim the title, Big Show attempts to fly to Albuquerque on his own, but is lost in the storm when his plane stalls and falls into the mountains. So, to begin this, they show, like, a signing, I think, just like a fan event where you get to see yeah, like the, they're all stars. Like, they're, like, hanging out. Um, it's weird because you, so I won't, we might as well bring up the other superstars that show in this now because they don't super matter going into the rest of the movie. The only um, one of consequence, there's only, like, r- really three important wrestlers in this movie that is big show Seamus and to some degree Seth Rollins yeah um, because he gets a lot of dialogue but it's a lot of dialogue but I think this is where the Scooby-Doo films did well and the Jetsons did not do well so I'm gonna mention this very briefly in the Scooby-Doo films, there was obviously a lot of, like, WWE, like, you can't see me stuff, like, corporate slogans and stuff, and very in-your-face about WWE and mentioning certain th- aspects about character that's, like, in-your-face. But with Scooby-Doo, it was played off, like, pretty smoothly and not, like, all-in-your-face corporate I say it was very genuine. Yes. In the Scooby-Doo movies. However, in this one specifically, there is no genuineness. There's no authenticity. If I hear Seth Rollins say, I'm going to be the future, the undisputed future of WWE one more time, I swear to God. It, well, okay, so... This version of Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and the Usos and Alicia Fox and am I missing someone? Sheamus. This, I think, was around 2015, 2016, because Seth Rollins as the future of WWE wasn't really pushed in 2016. It was pushed in 2015. So I think production was two years before this came out. Yeah, because that would have been around when I was actually watching it in college. And right. this is like... I mean, I had a lark, mostly because people... It, everyone like to comments on how awesome Roman Reigns is. Right. And people don't actually like Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. but um, Well, now they do, but that's a whole different story. Oh, but, okay. Well, interesting. But, I mean, it gets really interesting because especially, like... Big Show has been a major figure in the company for a very long time, mm-hmm. and he his popularity has kind of stagnated pretty heavily. And so it was very interesting to see him as the major character, especially like the main superstar character for this movie. Well, the thing is about Big Show, the last major world title he won was 2012 when he had the World Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, he had some, you know, title bouts here and there, but no one really expected him to win any of those. But he he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best 
big men to ever lace up a pair of boots. Mm-hmm. And honestly, definitely like definitely the best successor to Andre the Giant. Oh, for sure. In WCW, he was called the Giant and his storyline was he was a descendant of Andre the Giant, which obviously was not true. But I got to say Big Show I like. I like Big Show and if CM Punk chewed the scenery in the Flintstones movie, Big Show is like devouring it whole without the need for ketchup or cutting or even really chewing like it is (laughs) awesome and he's honestly a very perfect villain for the future because he's so big because they treat him kind of like a caveman in a way because he's so big and astronomically sized and everything it fits perfectly with how he takes over the city which we'll talk about in a bit but big show really killed it another great wrestler who lends himself really well to voice acting and to animated characters and his voice is perfect for it he should be in more stuff in my opinion him and cm punk are probably the best parts of the show though i do gotta say sheamus is pretty good as well i think sheamus was low-key pretty dang good interesting interesting well so we have that you know introduction there, and then we actually go into the what the other movie didn't have, and they actually do the old school Jetsons intro, well, like not the original, everything but they, they almost but perfectly. Like, but yeah, to like to the T. It's really weird. They have Jane's thing is that she like grabs the whole wallet and then goes to the shopping center, which makes me think of two weird questions. One, why do they still have money in the future? And two, how are they still doing this joke in 2017? At the same time, they're just doing the same intro as the classic. And also, you know, it's a staple of the Jetsons in the past. But I'm going to be honest. I could definitely see there are a lot of, you know, Flintstones fans. Jetsons fans, though. There's probably a fan base, but I feel like there's no not a big, like, uh, it's for not Jetsons. as yeah, it's it's very much compared to Flintstones rather than stands alone. Right, like it's basically just future Flintstones, and they even did it so much that they did a crossover. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. I remember that for sure. Like they switched places and all that jazz. But let's move on to the story. So one century later, George Jetson is assigned by his boss, Mr. Spacely, to supervise a drilling project on the Earth's surface. The drilling bots notify him of the obstruction, and George uncovers the big show preserved in ice. George brings the giant back to Opal City and thaws him out. After sneaking him out of Spacely Space Sprockets... George See, int- that five times fast. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, George introduces him to the future and the rest of his family. This part works, I yeah. think. Like, a little bit. Like, the voice acting is generally good. It leans into what the Jetsons always did well, which is, like, kind of parodying the present by doing the future of stuff. We get some very good character moments. We get jane being the upset wife with george because he's putting his work ahead of his family we get the robo maid who is hilarious in this movie if we're being honest yeah anyway it's a fun it's a fun time and we get like some good like fish out of water stuff with the big show being in the future and it's like the first time he's ever like kind of a loss for words in this movie because most of the time he talks a lot also There is a weird, like, theme to this movie that is huge for the through line of the film. Because there's there's actually a through line to the Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania, everybody. It's really weird. They try their hand at, like, an actual lesson. Aesop. Yeah, an actual lesson. And... Big Show is noticing that everybody isn't using their own hands or pushing buttons or just... I mean, they push a button and a fork is helping them eat food. And Big Show just doesn't know how to react. And 
you know, he's obviously the odd man out in the world. And, you know, we get... Did you call it the world of tomorrow? <sighs> yes. <laughs> you know, like, remember when people thought this was going to be, like, the 2000s? Like, you know, the yeah. Jetsons? <laughs> Why yeah, did we think that the... we were going to evolve that quickly? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I really don't know. We gotta talk. We gotta do like an episode, a whole month exploring different cartoons that look at like try to talk about the future. Yeah, um, that'd be pretty great. But for now, we gotta talk about uh, Elroy, his, his bo- boy Elroy. George Jetson's never son boy, bringing a seven foot tall man to a show and tell. The following day, Elroy brings Big Show to show and tell where. Big Show discovers that the WWE still exists, but as a robot wrestling promotion. Enraged, he defeats the robots, steals the robot controller from Mr. McMoon, Mr. McMahon's descendant, and uses the robots to take over what he views as the weak society of Orbit City. I gotta say, the uh, show and tell was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's like... Yeah, Robo Rollins can beat you up, which confirms that he technically was the future of WWE. Yeah. Technically, on a technicality. Reactor Rollins. Yeah. Reactor <laughs> Rollins. Also, that that W robot, where the W is silent, that is stretching it. But yeah. um, It's not even that funny of a joke. Like, it's not, it's is not it, good. Is it weird that I think that the superstars voice their robot counterparts better than they do their, like, normal counterparts? Well, that's the thing. It's like Dolph Ziggler and Cody Rhodes have voiceover parts, but they don't show their, like, human counterparts. They literally, they were like, Hanna-Barbera was just like, yo, can you just do your voices but in robo-voices? And they're like, uh, okay, sure. Paycheck, please. I mean, and 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 they do a better job than the others. Like it's like in my mind, they do because I mean, Ziggler just sounds cool, and honestly, Rhodes just does a really fun job as a robot version of Stardust. Yes, and from there, we see Big Show taking over the world. Basically, yeah. pretty simple and not bad. We Seeing him, have, like, uh, absolutely destroy the robots was actually kind of fun and showing that, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I liked it. <laughs> Just the fact that Big Show was able to absolutely trout a bunch of robots. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even that hard for him. That I like how the uh, cartoons or Hanna-Barbera likes to make these uh, wrestlers feel like super, super, superhuman because if Big mm-hmm. Show actually fought a robot... That's supposed to be like him. I'm pretty sure he'd lose. Also, the maid gets a lot of... I think this is the first time I've seen... The maid in this... The robo-maid in this uh, movie is, like, thirsty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can we agree on that? Like, towards the Roman Reigns bot. Yeah, Rosie just really wants to get it with uh, the Roman Reigns bot, which... yeah. He, I mean, he's a good-looking dude. I'm, I bet the you know robot version is probably the same. You know, she just you know she got she's got to get some oil because she's just a bit extra, bit extra. Now, in terms of like timeline, in terms of like when stuff was pop going on in the WWE, was Sheamus supposed to like Sheamus and Big Show? Was this like a thing back in the day? If they were recording in 2015, Sheamus did become WWE World Heavyweight Champion in 2015. However, he was not a good guy. He was a bad guy. Because as soon as he got his mohawk, everyone was making fun of him. He became a bad guy. He started beating people up, saying everybody was soft and everything. And he won money in the bank, and then he cashed in on Roman Reigns. And I think Hmm. what's very interesting is that Roman Reigns isn't more highlighted in this film because at the yeah, time was, he was pushed to hell like yeah he, they were like trying to make him like the possible replacement for John Cena and obviously it didn't work out until now but 
it's really weird because it seems like Seth Rollins has more of a front seat than even Roman Reigns did. Well, now that I think about it, it's even more like 2014 WWE because I don't even know. Because in 2015, Seth Rollins had the WWE World Heavyweight Championship for a, a while. He had the for the majority of the year. So I'm trying to like pinpoint the exact time that this was, but it, it was probably around 2015, 2016. So I, I'm I'm probably well, not wrong on that. Well, enough about talking about the past. Let's talk about traveling to the past. Oh yes. So the Jetsons <laughs> escape. And travel back in time using a time travel equation that his boy Elroy developed in order to bring Seamus to the future to defeat the Big Show. The family sneaks into the Albuquerque event and massively disrupts it. But George manages to convince McMahon and an array of superstars to return to the future to save Orbit City. They return a month later, unfortunately, to see Big Show in complete control over the city. It's a fun moment to see the Jetsons in the uh, in the present, without the walkways, without the the moving walkways. They don't uh, know how to function. Yeah, don't know how to function. Uh, don't know how to walk places. I will say it's kind of weird that the kid using Bluetooth thinks like gets freaked out by Rosie because like we have robots. We had robots in twenty seventeen. Yeah, but not, not like, like talking sassy robots. Yes, you know? we do. We have t- we have we have Siri. Siri's a talking but, sassy but robot. It's not like one that's actually like sentient in its own way. I mean, have you talked to Siri? I mean, yeah, but this is like I don't need to say hey Siri, say funny thing. You know, Rosie's just like I'm here. I don't need no hey Rosie. You know what I mean? Rosie's just being Rosie, you know? Fair enough. Um, I don't know. What do you feel about the... So, yeah, they do... I mean, we really condense these down. I mean, you know, they get moments of um, basically some cameos of the family... Cosplaying WWE yeah, cosplaying wrestlers. The, yeah, cosplaying the specific wrestlers and future guy, but mostly the other wrestlers, which was funny, I, I guess. I mean, it worked. I think worked. what George was trying to do is try to be, like, cool... And it, it just backfired like pretty yes, easily. Massively. But um, I think what really like hit home with the whole not genuine corporate push about WWE was this section where they finally realize WWE for the first time. And they're like watching it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. It's like showing all these highlights and everything. And their reactions are like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Why don't we have this? We I've never seen a human do that before. And it was just, uh, I don't know why it just irked me so weird. It's just, it's like, yes, I like professional wrestling. I like WWE too, but like, it's obviously not my favorite form of entertainment. You know, it's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen and. They really push that aspect into this feature-length film, and that section takes long, too, because we already know, like, I don't need to see highlights of the Usos or Seth Rollins or Alicia Fox or Roman Reigns, like, to get the atmosphere of what a WWE show is like. Just have them show up during that main event with Sheamus and Seth Rollins, and you're good. Yeah. Like, just, like, actually have them watch a feasibly actual WWE event and get into it. I think that's the... I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that later. We'll bitch about that later. <laughs> the fact that it's not like the Scooby-Doo movies. Now, I will say, though, I do greatly appreciate Vince McMahon, like, being to- not just totally cool with everything, but, like, would you believe this is the first time I've met a talking dog? Yes, they referenced Scooby Doo. That was hilarious. <laughs> and it was like Vince McMahon has fun with these movies. Yeah, he's in every one of them, obviously, because they obviously want him to be a part of it, and he's good in them. And I like it. I mean, nothing's ever gonna stop him singing the national anthem, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Yes. <laughs> yes. So they go back into the future to try to take out the big show. And that is where we head to next. Seamus challenges Big Show to a winner-take-all match while George is captured and imprisoned along with the other Orbit City citizens. Big Show sends the robot wrestlers against the superstars and eventually contends with Seamus himself, all while George rallies the humans of Orbit City in order to assist the Celtic warrior. Seamus defeats Big Show with their assistance and convinces the world's largest athlete to return to the past for a real rematch. The superstars return to their time, and Orbit City is inspired to bring back human superstars to their WWE. We really slimmed this part down. Like, there's a whole chase sequence, there's lasers. This is about 30 minutes for this last part, but it's because it drags on so long. Just, can we both agree that the Robo Undertaker and Robo Kane were not necessary Oh, very much so. They weren't necessary because they didn't even show their human counterparts. You can even say that for, like, Robo Stardust or Robo Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, I mean, like, there was a performance there, but with these two, it's just the robots. Right. And, uh, I don't know, man. It, this just did not hit right, and the whole, like, Seth Rollins continually talking thing was annoying, Alicia Fox was funny, but that whole thing was annoying. Then seeing the some, Jetsons some, like okay. try to cheer them on really was cringe. It was a little cringe. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna hold. We're gonna hold off on comparison on comparing these to the Scooby Doo movies until later. I like that they parodied Roman Reigns, especially like this era of Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Reigns is not good enough an actor to make it especially funny but i do appreciate the attempt yeah and the thing is he didn't even have that many lines so that kind of just helped him out a little bit especially in that department but as a whole the movie was just such a drag the comedy was so hit and miss maybe even more miss than hit and i think the thing that ruined me was just the corporate aspect of this film I think the one thing we do before we end our podcast is compare it to the Scooby-Doo films. Yeah, we should Um, probably just go ahead and do that. And, man, I don't know what it is about Scooby-Doo, man. How Scooby-Doo is able to work with just about anybody. Yeah, it just works. And it's perfect. Like, they had a whole... They've had several series built on being crossovers. Yeah, like the current, like, what's new... Or not what's new Scooby Doo? Guess who Scooby Doo? Guess who Scooby Doo? I mean, freaking! Yeah, you got like, Morgan Freeman, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, they uh, like they had the whole things where they were like hang out with Adam West, Batman, and and the and and the Adams family and Harlem Globetrotters, and they had and in, like the whole of the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo was just <laughs> Vincent Price hanging out with Scooby Shaggy and and Vel- and and Daphne. How is it that that and, 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 like, it's... How? Yeah, it, it makes okay. no sense how well that it blends together. But in terms of these films... And we can't even chalk it up to, like, there being too many superstars in the other ones, in, in, in these movies, that, like, cancel the other ones out. Because there were, like... I'm looking at the cast list right now for Speed Demon... And there is way more superstars in this, and yet that was handled much better. Right. It's like, okay, so really, let's try and not, like, cut it down. When it comes to the Flintstones one, I think part of it comes down to the structure of the special is that it, they really were shooting for a, a like, longer episode of Flintstones mm-hmm. that had the WWE stars in it. That's fine. It, it works. I didn't think it was especially good on my end, but I also don't like sitcoms, so that, like, maybe my thing, but it worked. When it comes to the Jetsons one, this was the first Jetsons property in, like, 27 years, and they went for, like, a large-scale, like, high-stakes movie, and it really fell flat for me. Very and, true. And despite how, like, 
awesome the big show was. Sheamus also good. They really didn't do a lot with the other superstars though. And it doesn't help the fact that those other superstars didn't have especially like standout personalities that you get with like either CM Punk or with, um, or, or, or with Stardust or with the Miz or or the Miz. Yeah. I mean, the Miz just can, he being himself just like is funny on its own. They try to do it with Seth Rollins, but I mean, unless you're going to like make him make Seth Rollins go full megalomaniac, he just comes across as like delusionally annoying, but like, unless you're really diving, like really delving into that, it comes across as annoying. Yeah. And it was really odd choice for them to make a feature length film because man, what, what hurt it so much is the fact that they have to drag the story on, that they have to add more and more to the film. I remember just watching after the George gets onto earth. This is even before they thought the big show was like, man, it's only been 15 minutes. Why does this feel so long? And- yeah, like, because they do this whole thing. They have, like, f- freaking seven scene changes in the first 15 minutes. It's so um, hard to really invest yourself in this. And the thing is, it still has the old sense of Jetson slash Flintstones comedy that is just glaringly outdated in this film than it was I, for the special I for Flintstones. It- I thought it worked. I thought the Jetsons stuff worked. Like the Jetsons comedy worked in this one, especially the fish out of water stuff when you had um, Big Show with the Future. I especially liked the lateral movement, like the thing where Mr. Spacey says, you're going to be doing different kind of work, but for the same pay and with no real title change. That I thought as a recruiter, that was hilarious because it's basically just lateral movement, which every like HR journal tells companies to do with their employees because it's you know something you can do to fill roles and be a not really spend a lot of money and it made me think you know we could honestly have a very good jetson's parody that would like work with like our weird preoccupation with technology oh i think that 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 could be pulled off i think but i think we can cover that in like an actual jetson's related episode I think that one comes down to it. The Jetsons and the Flintstones have this very sitcom-oriented status to them. And when the Flintstones bear- jumped into it, they just like really like dove headfirst into wanting to committing to that. It worked out well. The Jetsons didn't do that, and it kind of fell flat. And the Scooby-Doo movies managed to pull theirs off because they bring, are able to f- strike a good balance of the Scooby-Doo plot with the setting and then using kind of that plot as the baseline just to kind of layer the WWE stuff on top of it in order to build out the setting and the themes. And, and because of that, that's why those two prior movies that we did definitely stand a lot better. These two... They tried, they had some good moments, didn't do so well. So, for me on this, I think the Flintstones complemented the WWE aspects a lot better than the Jetsons ones. Obviously, I feel like the Scooby-Doo ones just were perfect because for some reason that's just a formula that just cannot mess up. Like, it's still to this day a huge franchise with the same formula that it had when it first debuted. But with the Flintstones, it felt like a Flintstones episode with just a bunch of cameo wrestlers. With the Jetsons, it felt like a commercially pushed property where it's like, yeah, WWE, we love the WWE, even though it's like so weird to like professional wrestling God forbid WWE in modern pop culture, at least nowadays. So it's like pushing that in your face and how it's an amazing spectacle. And even though it's a good like promotional tool, at the same time, it shoves it down your throat. And that's why I think 
that the Judsons is probably the weakest Hanna-Barbera crossover with the WWE. And I feel like the only reason why the Flintstones doesn't work is that, you know, it's just the comedy, the aspect of the Flintstones. Maybe just that we haven't had Flintstones in a while and seeing it with WWE is just odd. It just could have been better. I feel like the Flintstones was very close to being a very solid adaptation and a great representation of WWE, but where it was great with the Flintstones, it wasn't great with the WWE. And with the Jetsons, it was too forward on the WWE and not as hard on the Jetsons. Yeah, it's not a... It is a very unfortunate direction uh, this I had to take in, especially considering that these are supposed to be the big returns of these properties, especially like these two properties that haven't really done a ton in their time. Granted, no one asked for them. No one asked for them. And you know what? I think we're a little better for them. I'm going to shut up about stuff because I just want to talk about the Jetsons some more, but... um. Let's, I mean, I think we're at this point, I think we're due for a final thoughts brew. Amen to This that. is definitely, this is definitely a 10 point, a 10% ABV on my end. What are, what, what, <laughs> shit, what beers hey, would you suggest? Talk. Beer, what beer would you suggest? Yeah. You know, us drinking, it's 11. It is 11. <laughs> Shit. We never really uh, talked about the that aspect of the Flintstones, but, you know, the old, like, dinosaurs or animals doing the work and then talking, that's still fucking funny. That's still, it, it holds up. It yeah. worked It worked in the 60s. It works today. We need, like, an, uh, I don't even want a we full series. We need an series. adult want, version of the short, Flintstones. We need a short that makes fun of how smartphones would work in um in the Flintstones time. Oh yeah. I'm picturing I'm picturing I am picturing flies. That's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like little bugs that like swarm out and do the things an app would do. That actually would be very creative. Nice. Okay. But back to our final anyway. thoughts brew. Yes. On my end, you know, I I was just a huge fan of both The Big Show and CM Punk Rock. I'm going to give it to CM Punk Rock though and just call it it's bouldering time Baltic Porter the only reason I say it's bouldering time is because before he would come out he would say it's clobbering time like you know the thing would do for Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics but he would say it Yeah. and I choose a Baltic Porter because I want something that's more like a strong kind of hoppier flavor than just a regular porter. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd say that, that checks out. On my end, I'm going to call this the Elroy Maboy Time Traveling Commons. <laughs> and it's going to be a California common, kind of bringing in that um, Prohibition style ale. Uh, definitely have it going like good mix of past and future. Bring it together. Sounds good to me, man. WWE is a very interesting topic in general, but combine that with the Flintstones, man, and the Jetsons, that's even more interesting. And if you've ever seen these films or you're like, what? Tell us what you think in the comments below. Uh, for any of our podcasts for Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Unfortunately, with YouTube, because of YouTube's restrictions on small channels, we can't really upload our podcasts on YouTube, which is a damn shame. Sorry about that, guys. But, you know, you can listen to us on many, many other podcasting hosts. Follow us, leave us a rating and review, give us comment. Everything helps. Facebook.com forward slash Craft Tunes for podcast information for articles that we see, Instagram, see our pictures of our beers that we're drinking, you know, go to the untapped app where we talk about the beers that we are drinking and just the beers that we like in general. And if you want to follow me personally, it's at Dominic Molnar for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and D Molnar for the untapped app. 
You can follow me on Untapped as par underscore quad, and I am I'm just now checking in on the Power Tippa from American Solera. You know, I talked a lot about us wanting to do an episode on the Jetsons. Do you think that's a great idea? Do you think it's a terrible idea? Should I not absolutely not do it? Definitely shoot us an email over at Dom and Park Productions at gmail.com to let me know. Dominic, next week, we are springing forward into tuning in March 2021, man. Gosh, it's already the end of March. <laughs> it's uh, a short, I mean, how many, day, how many days are, how many days are in March? 31. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's more than February. All right. Um, it just keeps going faster and faster as we get older, doesn't it? It just keeps going it? faster. God damn it um i think the big thing though is that there are a lot of stuff happening this month a lot oh, yeah. of stuff as it pertains to box office this is the first big box office month in general and we're going to be talking about some like of the first box office hits of the year and how that might influence the post-covid movie landscape we're also gonna be talking about a bunch of other news a couple of big names actually passed away in the anime world and we're going to be talking about them in our in memorandum we're also going to be discussing our favorite trailers our favorite shows our favorite movies and even music videos from this past month it's going to be a jam-packed episode dominic yeah so guys don't miss out on that i mean we can't say scooby Dooby doo because i mean it's not a thank you man nice. <coughs> that made me cough Shit. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Have a good night. <laughs>